Hawks Live, every Thursday night at 7, live at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar in Bellevue's Lincoln Square. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling's Batch Number 12 Vodka. Come on, guys. Let me take over. And Legendary Donuts on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live, Dave Wyman and Paul Moyer. And give it up for Mike Davis. <laughs> Running back Mike Davis is joining us here at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. Appreciate you. What uh, What'd you get to eat tonight? Um, I got the short ribs. Short ribs are my favorite. I can't wait. Can't wait to get to those. <laughs> let's start in the. Let's Let's take you way back. Uh, you went to South Carolina. What made you go to South Carolina? Where else did you Look get? Look at that. He's got a sweatshirt on. He's so. got his Carolina shirt on. There you go. And uh, tell us uh, where else you got recruited and, and what uh, landed you at South Carolina. Um, I got recruited by basically, like, everybody. Um, I was a four-star coming out. and um, So, like, Notre Dame and Michigan and Ohio State and all that. Yeah, everywhere. UGA, Clemson, um, Tennessee. UGA? Because you're a Georgia kid, right? Yeah. All right. Keep yeah, going. And that's like running back you, right? Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> well, right now you can pretty much say that because everybody's going to UGA is most definitely going to be out there probably in the first round. But, um, yeah, growing up um, in Atlanta, actually my junior year, I was committed to the, the University of Florida. Uh, well, uh, when Muschamp was there, and I ended up switching uh, like a month before signing day and going to uh, South Carolina with Steve Spurrier. And Muschamp is now at South Carolina. So it's pretty funny when I talk to him when I see him. Yeah. Uh, and you're, uh, you know, I, not to throw it to, but you're pretty good friends with Todd Gurley. That's yeah. a little weird going into this week. <laughs> but, you know, just talk about that relationship. Oh, man. Me and Todd have been knowing each other since, uh, since high school. It's kind of funny because, um, I met Todd through the recruiting process, and he was telling me um, it was getting down to crunch time, and he called me. He was like, hey, listen, I don't know what Clemson's telling you, but I'm going to UGA. And um, ever since then, we always kept in touch, and, uh, man, we hang out every time we can. I'd say speaking of Clemson, your brother was a running back. Was he a running back at Clemson back, as well yeah. but, and, and drafted by Cleveland in 2009? Mm-hmm. So that there's something in the blood there. I mean, talk, <laughs> talk, talk about where all that athleticism came from. Uh, all that athleticism probably came, I would say, came from my mom. Yeah? Um, yeah, crazy. Uh, me and my brother, we, we got different dads. We got the same mom. But, um, so, obviously, it came from my mom. <laughs> Who, who's bigger? Oh, uh, James. James is Davis is most definitely bigger, man. I I used to love – I used to go to, like, all of Clemson practices and everything when it was him and C.J. Spiller with the thunder and lightning. Man, it was it was electrifying. What was Steve Spurrier like as a coach? Ooh. <laughs> that says it all right there. right there. Yeah. I think that he just answered the question. Man, Spurrier was – he was – he was pretty rough as a coach, uh, especially on his quarterbacks. So it was it was days where we had to to get the quarterbacks you know ready and going because he went through a whole day of prof, you know of cursing them out and all that stuff. But um, he was he was pretty rough as a as a head coach. A lot of people don't realize he won the Heisman Trophy. Right? Oh. I mean, this <laughs> guy. Oh, you know, he probably told you guys that regularly, right? Yeah, uh, that Did was he? the thing, man. We heard of all Spurrier stats. Uh-huh. If that was if it was something <laughs> wrong that happened. He let you know it wasn't coming. 
He was kind of at the tail end of his coaching career. I, I guess not completely, but yeah, towards the tail end of his coaching career. I, I'd be curious what he was he was like. But did he have a good offensive mind? I mean, was he a guy that you, as players, said, okay, he, he knows what he's doing? Oh yeah, it, the schemes. I, I feel like we, we kind of still. I feel like we still from like the NFL, which is kind of crazy. Um, like the plays we run now, I ran them in college, so I mean, I'm kind of used to it. Marcus Lattimore, was he there at the same time as you at South Carolina? Yeah, I was there with Lat. Are you older or younger or same age? Oh, no, Lat was older than me. Yeah. Okay. I'm young, man. I'm only 25. He is. Yeah, no, I know. 2015. Uh, I just out, can't man. remember when that happened, but I remember when he blew his knee out. I had a, I had a similar type of knee injury when I was in college, and, uh, and I, sent him a, I sent him a letter because it, w- it w- took me a year and a half to come back from it. It was almost lost my leg or I was in jeopardy of losing my leg. He had that same similar type of deal. And then the the 49ers still ended up drafting him, right? Yeah, the 49ers drafted him uh, that same year. And then the next year, I got drafted to the 49ers. Yeah. And, um, yeah, man, seeing that injury live was, like, gruesome. Like, it was bad. Yeah. And then I had to go in the next play. I was like, yeah, can this game just be over already? Yeah, and everybody was just kind of wiped out after that play happened. I mean, it was it was nasty. Yeah, it was real nasty, it's man. No, nobody wanted to play after that. You know, as a player, you have to kind of put that stuff out of your mind. Uh, you know, how do you do that? Because, you know, I, I've seen that. I've been on the field when people have uh, really, you know, bad injuries. And Paul Moyer himself had a Stop testicle. Ba- what, he had a why? testicle injury. Why? Well, what? I, mean, I why? know you're very proud why? of that, Paul. I, Yeah, I, Every day I say, hey, look at me. He had somebody knee him right in the groin, and he continued to play. I played the whole game. It's pretty heroic. Yeah, you have to kill me. Through a groin? No, that was a rupture. Anyways, let's get back to you. (laughs) Let's get back to you. Let's get back to you. uh, Thanks, Dave. I like Mike has a, you know what? He has a future as an interviewer in the media. Uh, go ahead, ask him questions. Nope, nope, want, no, no. I've got two kids. We're all good. Um, yeah. yeah actually, thank you. everything works. Yep, That's and they're the beautiful That's kids, too. That's all anybody needs to know. Everything works. Yes, <laughs> it still does. Okay. Um, 2000, yeah, I don't, where I do we go from still. here? Can we go to break? No, I say still. Okay. Stop that. Continue. 2015, you're talking about fourth round drafted by the 49. Can you believe that was only 2015? I mean, it yeah. seems like you're almost a seven, eight-year vet. But talk about that, and then were you shocked that you ended up being on, on Seattle? Uh, yeah, that's that's robbery. <laughs> yeah. But um, I was I was pretty shocked that Seattle was the only team that put in a claim for me when I got cut. So it was just kind of reminded that it, you know nobody wants you really. So it was just like. I could have been on the streets, but Seattle gave me a chance. Well, that was pretty good on their part because you have become one heck of a football player. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's been the savior. What, what, what is it like? I mean, I was, I'm always curious. You know, you were at the 49ers, just that organization versus the Seahawks, and you don't have to call out names or anything, but just maybe talk about what the differences are. Totally different. Um, <laughs> From from positions to GM, um, everything was different. There, uh, it was the mentality was win now, and uh, in Seattle, basically here, uh, Pete let the uh, players play, and uh, there it was just like like you basically play not to mess up, and it was just 
it's just all bad. Like when I came here, I was able to play free. So when I'm on the field, I'm not worried about making mistakes. So let me let me give you a play. Where it was, uh, I can't remember. It, actually, I think it might have been the first drive. Uh, you guys run a play action. You run a backside screen to you, and you 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 bust it. But then you cut it far back to the right. It's about you run about thirty some yards to get ten yards. There's three things that can happen on that play. And, and as a coach, and I used to coach with the Seahawks too, I, I can give you, I can say, take it upfield and get the first down. For sure. I, the second one is cut it back, and you, you got about the same. I mean, you cut it back, but let's say you got around nine yards. Mm-hmm. And the third is you cut it back and you break it to the house. Exactly. So tell me what the coaches tell you on that. <laughs> and I, I don't know if there's a right or a wrong, but what do they give you as far as latitude on that? What did they tell you on that play? Um, they don't give me latitude. But I'm, I was making a play. Yeah. And um, if you were a coach and I had a chance to get a first down, you tell me, hey, stop doing all this. Get the first down. But um, what I saw was, I don't know if people saw, I saw a great cutback mm-hmm. like all the way right. And then I saw Britt and Britt kind of kind of ran into each other. So I was just like, all right, you know what? Let me just get up there and get what I can. But um, if I would have never ran into Brit, I probably would have scored and people would have, you know, would have never been like, what is he doing? Well, the reason why I bring that up, because there are coaches that would say, hey, just get the first down. Yeah. But I'm curious where Pete would say, I trust your instincts. Go make a play. What, mm-hmm. Are they on that play? Are they good with you saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut it back and I'm going to try and make a play? Are they let you do what you if, – if you feel from an instinct – that, that's there, do they allow you to do that? I would say it depends on the situation. Okay. Um, basically, know that down the distance. This is first down and, you know, first and 10 and you get nine. Okay, that's, that's perfect. If it's third and 10 and you go backwards and you had a first down and you come up and get nine, now it's fourth and one, now it's probably time for you to get coached out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what down was that? I think it was first. Okay, so you're good. Yeah, you're good. Well, and that's a, I think the point that you're making is that, well, it's, it's like the week before when the punter takes off running. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, no, I don't mean to compare you to that, but I'll say this. I, I feel like Pete gives guys, I don't want to say latitude, but he encourages guys to make plays. And I always say this. There's three parts to every play. You get lined up so you can fulfill your responsibility. Number two is you fulfill your responsibility. Number three is be a football player. Yeah. Go out yeah. and, and make a play. And I feel like, you know, Pete is probably the best at that in the league as far as, hey, you, you have the, the range sort of to go and make those kinds of plays. Yeah, man. Pete, like I said, he let the players go and play. And um, that's why you see the amazing plays out of, out of people like Tyler Lockett and Doug Baldwin. Um, when it when it's game time, is it's not like our mind is going through a, a thousand things. It's like, hey, you prepare it all week, let it all hang out, go have fun. I, I love your your game against Arizona. You just came in and you were just the man, and that was uh, kind of a late notice there, a late yeah. scratch by Chris Carson, and it's it's tough, you know, going in. I was in the same situation you go in as a backup sometimes but when you go in as knowing that you're the man you're going to be the guy does that give you a little bit extra sort of chip on your shoulder or motivation or how, how do you uh, thrive as a player are you more of a 
people doubt me and I'm going to prove them wrong or, you know, I'm, I'm the guy, I'm the man? Um, is I've, I've always thrived uh, off of doubt and um, I always have a chip on my shoulder. So it's just like, you know, I take every play seriously and I'm legit out there on the field angry. I'm, I'm pissed off. So <laughs> I run angry. And, like, sometimes I guess you can see that I really have a passion for the game. And I love being out there. It's, it's really fun being out there with Russ as your quarterback, Doug Baldwin as your receiver, Tyler Lockett, all these people, you know, Chris Carson and Penny. It's, it's fun being out there with them guys. And, you know, it's a real team sport. And I love being out there with them. So anytime I can get a chance to get a ball in my hand, I want to prove to them that, you know, I can be counted on. I like that. He runs angry. Well, I was just saying, running angry. And, and uh, my daughter got married a month ago, and her husband is uh, the youngest of six. And you are I'm the youngest of six. The, are you the youngest of six? <laughs> I was going to ask six. you that. What What is that like? And he by, he has four sisters, so he was definitely raised. He mm. was raised tough, right? <laughs> uh, four sisters. But you know, talk about that. I mean, just the, the raised with you know five other kids and, and how that may be made as tough as you are, run angry. Does that have any effect to it? Um, A little bit. Uh, it, yeah, it was, I would say it was pretty tough. I don't know how people say when they were younger or the youngest, you know, gets all the love and all that. I got the opposite. <laughs> You know, I, I didn't. I didn't get all the love. I got all the hand-me-downs when my brother was doing right. t-shirts. They're yours. Okay, when these clothes are done, you can. You can't fit them yet, but you can. You know, you can wear them. You know, when he gets done, I didn't. I never got like the the spoiled stuff. I never got it. Yeah, you know what the thing is like, and I, I say this with. I was a second child, and my second child. It's like, yeah, you know, we've been through this before, so maybe that, that that's what happens. Maybe. It's only, not as special. The only, or... the only good thing I would say about being the youngest of six, I never did any chores. So oh. I, I didn't have to sweep. I didn't have to mop. I didn't have to do dishes. I didn't have to do none of that. So They that baby was... you? I mean, did they? were they all looking at I mean, did you end up having like eight parents? No, 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 no. They, you know, they, 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 they sure. weren't on you and, hey, make sure you do right and all that stuff and... And I just know sometimes the baby of six, you know, you, you can be mothered by a lot of, of your siblings. No, 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 no. It wasn't like that. Especially with my brother, James Davis. But he was really the, I would say, the, like, head of the house, kind of. You know, he was, he was the star, you know, growing up in high school. Everybody looked at him. So, you know, me being the youngest. I always hated being called, you know, James Davis' little brother. That was, like, one of the things I hated. Yeah. So... With him going to Clemson, it, I mean, I'm quite sure the whole world should have known I wasn't going to Clemson. <laughs> you didn't want to follow in that footstep. Oh, no, not at all. I wanted my own legacy. Yeah. Well, and I wanted done, them to know that. And, and you've done well with that so far. I was talking to KJ today, and I said, you know, I think you're like one of the guys that is like the most beloved by your teammates. Like, I think everybody likes your story. They like the way that you work. And, you know, KJ confirmed that. But he said that recently you're going around uh, blasting music. With, yeah. With, what, 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 what was that about? He said that for some reason Mike Davis <laughs> is walking around blasting music. Where does the music come from? What, what's he talking about? He's talking about I always walk around with this little speaker thing that I have. Like, it's always with me. 
So um, you know I, how we used I to like do that in the eighties? You would carry a, the a big boom box, oh, yeah, the boom yeah. box on your shoulder. Yeah, you did. Yeah, Paul used to do that nope. around the no. times. I was in that era, but I never did. All right, so times what, have changed. Yes, they have. Yes. So you have a speaker coming out, like from the backpack or something like that. It'll, it'll be right here on me, and I'll say it'll, it'll be like right here on my hip. Little big, little okay. big speaker. You know, it's pretty loud. So yeah, yeah I walk around with that all day and uh, just blast music, depending on the day. Might play some some music from the '80s, you know, love music, you know, for the guys when they go home to their wives, you know, stuff like that. So, you're getting guys in the mood. Home. Yeah, you know, just trying to help them, you know, just walk through the walk through the locker room and hey, tell the kids, go to bed early tonight, play this for the wife, and you know, be. <laughs> the love doctor. That's who you are. What else? What other kind of uh, music are, are you are you playing? Is it your mood? Whatever whatever strikes you or how do you choose? Uh, it's, it's, it's very random. Uh, it's not based off my mood, man. For some reason, I, I don't know, man. I'm always thinking about my teammates, man. I'm, I'm always thinking about, hey, what are they like? What do they want to hear? Um, what would be funny? You know, what to get them through the day? Yeah. You know, stuff like well, that. that's why your teammates love you so much. What do you like to do uh, off the field, Mike? Uh, play video games. What, like what? Uh, Call of Duty, Fortnite, uh 2K, stuff like that. <laughs> now, is that one of those things where you get online with other people and you can play against them? You know that. No, I no, have no he, idea. He doesn't know that. <laughs> Dude, and, 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 and here's the difference. In the old days, I would, actually, he wasn't a video game game. I would call like Kurt Warner and all the guys. They would come over to my house and we'd have to play video games against each other at the house. You don't have to do that anymore. Now you no, guys got a headset no. on. Most definitely. And you're set. talking to your buddies. He got to know where I am. It's good. So who do you play with? Like tonight, after the show, you're going to go back. Who are you going to play with tonight, Call of Duty? Uh, probably Richard Sherman. Yeah? <laughs> that, no, that I'll be is funny. Doesn't he have a wife and kids? Yeah, but he's still. <laughs> you, can, you can hear him in the background. You can hear him shouldn't in the background. He, shouldn't he be doing, like, chores and changing diapers and things like no. that? Nah, but you can hear it in the background. <laughs> <laughs> so you get online and you, you play against those guys. Would you ever go against, like, uh, you know, not just friends and people that you know but like the public you know just like are you trying to seek out like the best player like you seek know because people player? are like wow i'm playing against uh. mike davis no 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 i don't go out and seek out the best player if anything uh a lot of times i've played like with the fans you know they're playing on my team you know, and all that i know i never ah. want to play against them yeah but um i mean you know stuff like that goes a long way and you never know what people are going through so that that could go a long way as far as getting them through the day. Yeah. That's pretty cool. What do you get? Somebody you play against over there? I see you. <laughs> oh, uh-oh. We got a rival. He's taking, online no, no, rival. No, no, no. He's taking He know what I'm talking later. about. He know what I'm talking about. Mike, I'm, I was looking at when in high school. I was a former safety, so there's a little love there. You were safety, like your sophomore, maybe even junior year. They yep. move you to, to running back. Did you ever think about playing D or – Defense going into college or by your junior senior year it was pure running back. Um, by my senior year, well, junior year, junior, uh, junior senior year, it was pure, pure running back because um, at Stevenson High School they didn't let players. Well, when I was there, they didn't let players go both ways wow. because we was good at getting other kids scholarships. So if I'm playing safety and running back, that means I'm taking away a scholarship at somebody else's position yeah. for somebody else to go to college when I already know I'm going to a big college. Hey, that's, like, selfish. Let somebody else get a full ride. 
That's a, so a pretty good program then too. I mean, you got to have enough kids to be able to do that, not play both ways. Yeah, powerhouse. Uh, yeah, we was in the five A, toughest, the five highest a. in Georgia. In Georgia I think it's six A now. Georgia's good. good Is it good really? High school football there. Okay, so if you could brag about, do you know uh, the movie Napoleon Dynamite at all? A little bit. Uncle Rico, he's the guy that brags and talks about, yeah, you're doing the dance there. (laughs) Um, He talks about, you know, what he did in high school, and he could throw a football over the mountains. If you could brag about one thing that you did in high school, what would it be? Um, I had this amazing play in high school where they call it uh, Houdini. I think you look at his mic, like Houdini David or something like that. Oh, I can type that into the Internet and see it. Okay. And um, where it's like I get a toss and it's just like I'm going this way and somehow like I get lost and I just break out to the left and go. Awesome. It's, it's, it's really awesome. What, I was gonna say, I, I, I'm going to go home and Google that. Go Google that. You know what could have been a great play was when you motioned out wide and you were wide open and you threw into Vanette. Yeah, that, I mean, but. <laughs> we score. So. <laughs> I just teased. I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not mad at all. No, you know what? Everybody who played and every well, and a lot of fans too. I was up in the broadcast booth and I'm like, oh, pointing to you because you're wide open. Russell couldn't hear me, but he made the right he made the right decision. But. He he was wide open and, and and the screen was a great play. I wish that they would use you out of the backfield more often because you in open space. I mean, that's obviously your skill set. Mm-hmm. You have good hands, don't you? Yeah, of course. I, I, of course I, it just, I mean, <laughs> for sure. Do, do they allow you guys to have those conversations? I mean, do you ever give them, hey, you know what? No one's guarding me here. Backside screen works, or I can work a, a flat and go on somebody. Do they allow you guys to give that kind of input? Yeah, of course, especially uh, during the game. I mean, honestly, you have Russell Wilson at quarterback. Yep. You can go talk to him about anything. I'm telling you, man. He's a great, great quarterback. He does an amazing job, especially when it comes to the run game with him checking stuff and seeing it. So, um, yeah, man, they give you that free will. All right, well, tell them to use you more out of the backfield. Russell, tell them I said Paul says. We have it, but, you know, depending on certain looks, if Russ don't like it, then he don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of the guy. I well, get it. Mike, we really appreciate you taking the time on a Thursday night. And uh, you've just been so much fun to watch. And everybody here, I'm sure, appreciates you coming out here. Give it up for Mike Davis. All right, coming up next here at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar, we're going to get uh, the latest analysis from uh, my work wife, Danny O'Neill. I want to thank Heritage Sillings, Batch Number 12 Vodka, <laughs> and Legendary Donuts coming up next. We will talk to co-host of Misfit Radio, Danny O'Neill. Give it up for Mike Davis. Hawks Live at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar in Bellevue's Lincoln Square. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling's Batch Number 12 Vodka and Legendary Donuts on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live. I want to thank Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar for the delicious Short ribs, come on down to Pearl, enjoy all the drink and food specials they have going on during the show. And uh, we're here typically every Thursday night. Next week, we won't be here because of and the uh, week after. Packers. Week and then after, after that, what do we got? Yeah, well, we Thanksgiving. got Thanksgiving after that. But uh, right now, we're joined by uh, what I, I like to call, what well, I don't, really don't like to call, my work wife, Danny O'Neill. But uh, I, do, do, I do love him anyway. You say it every week, so yeah. you must love it. Yep. Danny, how are you, buddy? I, I'm doing very well. Thanks for did having you, me on. Hey, 
did you bring your dog Peach down? I, to I the did. I did not. Station? It's a little chilly, oh. and she was eating dinner as I started to walk down. Okay, okay but you could have put like an outfit on her or yeah, something we, like we that. Got Don't you dress up your sweater? dog? Yeah, we do. We got a. We got her a coat. It's a little red cape. I've never seen you tweet your dog out before. Oh, are you serious? Have you? Yeah, I gave a I gave a video of her eating bananas a couple days ago. Danny, what do you think your dad would say about you dressing up your dog? Yeah, would he say that you've gotten soft. No, I think he would say this is. You know how fathers say they're proud of their sons. This is not yeah. one of those moments for me. <laughs> I, I believe that's what he would say. He would be oh, right. Oh God, love he you. All right, Danny, explain to me why. Todd Gurley, because usually you and I agree on pretty much everything. You explain to me, mister. You're standing tall. I'm like, right now, I'm Bob Stelton. I demand answers from you. Why is Todd Gurley not worth $15 million a year? I look at how other running backs, elite running backs in, in the league over the past 15, 20 years, how they generally tend to be products of the system rather than some sort of generational talent. There are exceptions, and I would say Adrian Peterson is one of those. But when Sean Alexander scored 28 touchdowns and won the league MVP, I would argue that he was the fourth most valuable player, the fourth most important player on Seattle's offense that season. Uh, And behind probably Walter Jones first, Matt Hasselbeck second, Steve Hutchinson third, although perhaps it's Hasselbeck. Hasselbeck had a really good year. Perhaps Hasselback was the most valuable that year, but I, I, w- I would put Alexander fourth. And Todd Gurley is an impressive, impressive back who's got a lot of different skills. But so is Le'Veon Bell. And the Steelers have done more than all right substituting yeah. James Conner in for him. So that, that would be my argument, not so much against, uh, against Todd Gurley or his skill set as a player, but just the value in general of a running back. I like to think Pete Carroll and John Schneider could out-recruit anybody in the NFL. Anybody. So this whole Bruce Irvin thing, which, I, by the way, commendable, went back home to Atlanta, he took left's money. It all sounds good. But what's the real story there? I'm not Does sure. Yeah, I'm not sure, Paul. It's a great question because I would agree with you. They, they do tend to... It not only not only win those battles, but Seattle's a place players want to play because it's not a grind them down environment. It is a very much a pro player environment in that everything is geared toward maximizing their performance, not towards scaring them into or threatening them into compliance. And everything that I've heard is that Bruce Irvin indicated to a lot of different people here that he was hoping and planning to come back to Seattle, and then all of a sudden the communication just shut off. Now, there's a couple different possibilities there. He signed for more than the veteran minimum in Atlanta, which means that maybe money did become a factor in it, but it definitely wasn't the only factor because he pointed out that the Steelers and, and the Patriots both offered him more money to come there than he got to go to Atlanta. But I don't know how that that... That situation, which seemed on Sunday to be something Bruce very much wanted and was even planning on, to kind of evaporating without much of a notice. And I don't know if the people with the Seahawks even know for sure what happened. Yeah, you know, it's funny, that that whole deal, because I know, Danny, we you felt pretty passionate about that with the, you know, and me too. I love Bruce Irvin and him coming back here. You'd think that that would be uh, one of those deals that w- would have been a done deal. So, yeah, that that one's tough. 
Well, how do you feel about Russell Wilson, Danny? I mean, this is one I, I was sort of admonishing fans, you know, like, you know, why do you overact to Russell Wilson? And, you know, he only really had three bad plays, I thought, maybe maybe four. But, you know, what what is it about? Did, how did you feel during that game when during the times when when Russell all of a sudden, like I said, the eyes come down and he's scrambling into sacks and things like that and. You know, I feel like he's one of those guys that, uh, and we talked about this all week, that gets judged a little bit more harshly than other quarterbacks when they have a bad game. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, and I think that not only, not only does he get judged more harshly, but there is a reason that everybody picks that. And you've pointed this out a couple times, Dave, is that when he struggles, all of a sudden everyone points to the height. And, and I don't think that's accurate. He's short when he's, when he's playing extremely well, too. So it's not strictly, and that's one of the challenges he has, but I, I think that he's shown over seven years that he can not just compensate, but he finds a way to be extraordinarily effective, to, to be tremendous at, at the height he's at. I don't have an answer for why it has seemed this season when they've struggled to run the ball that he seems to then struggle with it's almost like a crisis of confidence because you can see him hold on to the ball and you can kind of see it's not so much happy feet, but you almost see him hunker down and he's not, he's not being as decisive or, or making as quick of decisions. And, and there is a little bit of paralysis that happens just to the whole offense. And there's a lot of different possibilities. He's in his first half season with a new offense. That, that's certainly something that's requiring yep. an adjustment. He's, he's finding his way with... He lost his top two of his top three receivers from last season in Paul Richardson and Jimmy Graham, and Doug Baldwin's been hurt. So that's not exactly something that's going to bolster a quarterback's confidence. He's learning new targets. But, but all of those things added up together, I, I, I think I don't have any doubts about Russell's status as a franchise quarterback or, oh, you can't win with this guy or anything like that or, or that he's reached his ceiling. But, but I do wonder... I do wonder why he's having a harder time being consistent when when they can't run the ball. Because at the points when they've run the ball and he's had minimum throwing opportunities, he makes the most out of those. And it's almost like he's doing more with fewer opportunities. And then when you ask the volume to go up a little bit because they're not able to run as as well, that not only is he not able to, to, to be as efficient, but the his, his effectiveness really declines. Well, I'm going to comment on those, and then I'm going to ask you a question. Um, well, one, he's got a quarterback rating of 108.6. He's completing 66% of his passes. He's got 18 touchdowns, five interceptions. So it ain't broke, that's for sure. Yeah. But I will say where I think he struggles, and this comes back to last week, and I don't know if it's he struggles, but when you have third and 18, third and 8, third and 13, third and 13, third and 22, third and 24, third and 12, I'm just saying, you can't do a whole lot with that because we're not built to protect that type of distance. We're just not. And, and there's very few quarterbacks who are going to be consistent there. So now I'm going to throw my question at you. So what are we right now, Danny? I, we're 4-4, four and four, and let's look at the last four games. We beat the Raiders. We beat the Detroit. We lose a tight one to the Rams and, and one that we could have won or, or you know against uh, the Chargers. Where are we? We're, we're four and four halfway point. How does this thing play out? The Seahawks are a team with a young defense that is seeking to identify playmakers and guys that can be stars. 
I think I think it's a solid defense. I don't think you have any back-breaking weaknesses, but we're still waiting to see from this group, is, is Shaquille Griffin going to be a Pro Bowl-type player? Is, is Trey Flowers going to emerge as that? Bradley McDougal's played at a very high level. Frank Clark has seven and a half sacks. He, he's had a sack in three straight games now. Is, is he going to be able to make and continue that toward being a Pro Bowl pass rusher? I see this as a, as a solid defense that if it's going to become good and maybe even in the future great, you need to identify there need to be guys who distinguish themselves as stars. And with offense, on the offense, they have to find, they have to be more consistent than they've been over the first eight games. They have to be what they were from the, the game at Arizona through the road game at Detroit. They have to have that kind of effectiveness. They, they need to find that consistency they've had and not what they were the second and third quarter against the Chargers, not what they were the first two games because we have a body of evidence that, hey, when they get it going, they're effective. Now, how much of that is dependent on Chris Carson staying healthy? All those different things, but that, that's what they need. They need to find a couple difference makers on offense or on defense, those guys to step forward. And, and find some consistency on offense. I think they know what they want to be. Now it's a question of whether they can get there. All right, Danny, really quick because uh, we've got to get to break, but uh, Carolina on the road, Los Angeles Rams on the road, two really tough ones. Which of those two do you think they're most likely to win? Well, after watching the Panthers give up a 50-burger tonight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they got 52 late on them by the Steelers. I, I think the more likely win would be at Carolina. But I'm really interested to see how Seattle comes out and plays this game against the Rams. Being in the locker room the last two days, I think they've got a really good attitude. I wondered if this was a team that was going to feel a little, a, a little bit down after losing the way they did at home and having the injuries that they had. There's three, three pretty significant players who are question marks. I think they've got a great attitude going into this game. And I'm, I'm, really, I'm not expecting them to win. I, 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 predi- I would predict that the Rams are going to win. But, but I, it's almost like in that glint in your eye, you're like, I, I like the way the Seahawks look going into this. Yeah, I feel like also that they can, uh, they're going to they're gonna have an upset win going down the stretch. Well, Danny, uh, have a safe walk home. We appreciate you joining us, and uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow. We'll be good. I, I, thank you guys very much for having me. I'm going to go home and dress up my dog now. Oh, gosh, I can't wait. Please send pictures. Yeah. Put it on Twitter, whatnot. <laughs> and Put Bragg a Seahawks sweater on them. Yeah, Bragg yeah, book. Yeah, on Bragg Book. There you go, Danny. Thank you. <laughs> Take care, Appreciate guys. it. There goes Danny O'Neill. Coming up next, here on Hawks Live, Paul Moyer will give him and I both. We'll give our final thoughts. Paul's are, the, you know, his thoughts are the only ones that matter. But we're going to give some predictions. Welcome back to Hawks Live. Final thoughts. Paul, first of all, yes, I, I love Mike Davis. I, I was a great interview. Mike Davis is fantastic. Really interesting guy. He's a, he's a great dude. And, you know, you just see, I mean, the guy's a professional football player, makes a lot of change, and, you know, he's just a down-to-earth, regular guy. And, you know, it's funny, uh, when we were playing, Paul, if somebody had asked us, what yeah. do you do with your free time, what would you have said? 
Uh, on air? I watch TV. On air? I would chase, chase women. I played video games a lot. Did you? Oh, What I kind of video Nintendo. games? Nintendo. Nintendo was yeah. huge back in the day. Yeah. And, Super Mario played, Brothers? Uh, played, oh, I did that, too, with my kids when they got younger. and I would come home from Don't work. blame it on the kids. No, no, but here's a, when I was... When I was playing, we played football and baseball and Nintendo. When I, when I had children, my kids, when I'd come home from work, they'd go, Dad, Dad, I can't get past this level. And then, <laughs> and then, Dad, then Hero Dad would come in to <laughs> save the day. And I would, I'd be up to like 1 o'clock in the morning trying to, to figure it out. But uh, are, are you like me that your kids are like, uh, yeah, 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 you played football. I get that. They don't really, uh, they no, don't Dave, really understand. My that. Da- Dave, my kids put me up on a pedestal, man. They think I am like second to. You know what's funny is no, I've I'm heard teasing. your daughter talk about you, and I know that that is false. No, which I, I love. Saw her tonight. Saw her tonight. She. I love me. listening she to your daughter me. give you crap. It is so much fun. She, she God loves bless her. her. You know yeah. what else I like? I like all of our sponsors here. I mean, we you got do? You Pearl like legendary Oyster. donuts. I mean, I love you know, I love Pearl Heritage Distillings. I love legendary donuts. I'm a hero oh every time. Gosh. I mean, I come you bring home. Bring those home. They're the best. And then the Heritage. I mean, I, I don't want to say I've been batch number twelve vodka. I've, I'm not going to say I've passed out before on it, but it's good. No, that is not what they want. No, I said I, I'm not saying I did. Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar also Pearl. with the short ribs. No, for sure. I can't really wait. Really happy about that. So, but yeah, what do you think about this one, Paul? It's it's funny. I I don't yeah. know why I get. Kind of a wild hair, and I have sort of feelings. Last week, I thought they were going to win. Coming off of uh, the Detroit win, I thought, wow, that was that was dominant, the way that they won that game. You know, Coleman getting the pick down in the, uh, you know, near the end zone at the end, and then, you know, the, you have your punter basically run out the, yeah. the first down. That was kind of humiliating to them. I thought, oh, man, they're on a roll, and I thought at home that they would take care of business. But, man, at home, home field advantage, was it? Five, of the five last and seven. seven. Five, yeah, the last 12 games we've won five. Five and seven at seven. home. That's crazy. It's unheard of. No, I, I agree, Dave. I, I, I'm not sure where we are. And so I have to come, come, back, come back to this game. And you're not always going to be dominant. We're not going to, like we did against Detroit and Oakland. You know, we, we had a chance to beat the Rams, you know, three weeks ago. But I'm going to take you to this pass game, the Chargers. And there's four plays that change. We could have won by 21. I'm interested four, to hear this. What four, are the four? Well, one, we missed uh, Jerron Brown for a touchdown. I mean, he's... Yep, he's, underthrew him. Uh, under, uh, that's a touchdown. Yep. Um, we've got the interception for a TD. Yep. I mean, that's, that to me was a 14-point swing because I think we go down and score. But that, that, that's be. seven, so there's 14. We got the third and 15, the double move on Griffin. Yeah. For the, for the life of me, I have no... I, I heard his explanation, so I kind of got it. But, again, they, they schemed us on that. And then end of the game. I mean, we're, we're on the one-yard line. We move. We back it up. And then we, the ball's tipped and, and, and more. Had, you know, that would have been a tough catch. But that's another one. That's 28 points. Yeah. That's a 28-point difference. And we end up losing by eight. And the yardage was similar. You're not always going to dominate a team. You've got to make those plays that are critical. There were four critical plays in that game. We didn't get a one. You know, the thing I was thinking about is the week before, Russell Wilson, because I heard a lot of people talking about Russell freaking out. The week before, he had three incompletions. Two of them were caught. One of them was a throwaway, but they were out of bounds or a penalty. It could have been 16 for 17. Yeah. 
Exactly. And so, and there was a there was three plays that I really and you mentioned a couple of them. One, the underthrow to Jerron Brown, the pick six just shouldn't happen. No. I mean, if you're a top five quarterback like no. Russell is, should not have shouldn't happened. happen. And then there was just a slant play. Now it would only gone for like eight or ten yards, but uh, the he, one to lock it. Yes. Yep. I, there, that's five plays. Yeah. That was a third down play. But those three plays for Russell. You know, it just go, man, that's just not him. And so, you know, our old coach, Chuck Knox, used to say, what, three plays, five plays? It all five comes down to that. Got to make and, three of them. Yeah, and so that's it just makes you go, okay, let's look for those those plays next week. But the, the one thing about the Rams is their defense gives up huge plays. I mean, at 40, I counted, 40, 20, 20 plus. plus. Those are big plays. Yeah, running one only one running play, but. 39 passing plays. I mean, that's that's a lot. I think they can be had on the on the back end, and hopefully, you know, I think the whole thing kind of hinges on uh, on the running game. And hopefully, if it's not Chris Carson, Mike Davis, our guest I'll here take tonight, Mike all day. I'll tell you what, you know, Mike Davis, he's one of those guys where, and this happened against Arizona, where Chris Carson was a late scratch, and sometimes when you give the guy the mantle and say, hey, you're the man. They respond, and Mike Davis responded in Arizona. He had a, he had a great went over 100 yards and and ran his tail off that. M- day. Mike is a starting running back in the NFL. I mean, we yeah. we happen to have two of them, and, and and so we're comfortable there. But Mike's that. Thank you. Mike is definitely a, all a, always getting the cheap. Well, applause. I, did, I didn't know I was going to get any cheap applause, but I, but I'll take it. Here's yeah. the key to well, this game. Well, you got game. neighbors sitting here. So well, that my, I love count. my neighbors. Got Andy and Brad there. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the key to this game is first down. They, the Rams are the best in the league on first down. Actually, the Chargers were really good, too. But the Rams are the best in the league in first down offensively. We have to win there because Goff, on third down, his quarterback rating is 86. Not that that's horrible, but it's pedestrian. He's, a, he's got a quarterback rating of 112 overall, and he's got like 120, 130 on first down. We have to win on first down. We may have to blitz them on first down because they're going to keep seven, eight guys in, and they're going to run these deep crossing routes. Um, I think we'll run the football. I think we'll score on the Rams. But we've got to win on first down, and we've got to win on third down. Get them to third down seven, uh, I want to say 12, 13, 14 times and keep them in that 30% range. I, I think we can win this game. I like it. Paul thinks we're going to win. That's all that matters. Paul, thank you very much. i got to follow my direction. Yep. Thanks for everything tonight. I want to thank uh, Sam Farmer from the L.A. Times, Danny O'Neill. Mike Davis, of course, the Professor John Clayton. I want to thank our producer, Curtis Rogers, C-Rog, and engineer, Brenda Hutchison, promotions manager, Jessica Kelly, and on the board, Brian Schoening, and NASA Choby, of course, is our executive producer here for uh, Seahawks Radio. Way to go, NASA. Appreciate it. All right, well, we'll see you in a few weeks, and uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Hawks Alive.